Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we praise George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and just shame its completely hard adaptation game of <sighs> And today, we just couldn't wait. This is an Unabashed Book Snobbery special! <laughs> <laughs> we were just so upset and so yelly about something that recently happened that we, we had to... We had to record. We just more or less decided to press the record button, and this is the result. Um, so, with that, here's our special book snob episode. On Brian Cogman and the interview he just gave. So, Kylie, is that the gothic horror version of Saltarello? <laughs> I mean, saying the words gothic horror makes something gothic horror, so... Yeah, and it basically lets you do whatever you want, so... Well, don't you find it dramatically satisfying? Well, if you see the video that accompanies that particular version, it's it's pretty dramatically satisfying. Those guys are really into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually very true. Um, so if if you don't know what we're yelling about, mm. th- I guess the commentary track came out for Game of Thrones, right? Something this like that. What, this is know. what it's from. And I'm Brian not going to be Cog- buying those Blu-rays, so I don't know. Brian Cogman is a writer on Game of Thrones, and he wrote three episodes last yeah. season, I think. He's one of the, like, three main writers, along with D&D. Yeah, and he was the one who, like, up until the season, he would be using the most book dialogue, and he really seemed to have some respect for the source material and mm-hmm. he was the one who wrote unbound and bent unbroken which is of course the episode oh i'm sorry we're going to be talking about very triggering subjects yes <laughs> so mostly rape mostly mm-hmm. rape mostly rape uh, uh, rape apologism which is triggering in and of itself for some people abuse yeah it's this is a heavy this is we're not happy right now we are not happy no people especially no. with kesha gate just the last no. thing we needed this is like just we live in a rape culture and we just got smacked around in the face with that mm-hmm. reality yesterday. Um, so yeah, Brian Cogman's the one who wrote Unbound and Men and Broken, the episode where Sansa gets raped by Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Julie and I have written extensively on this. Uh, you, you know, we, we were of the mind this was a completely gratuitous scene. Nothing made sense. If you want to hear more of our thoughts specifically about that, I'm going to link the Winter Hell retrospective podcast that we recorded where we talk about it. It just, it, this was really cheap rapist drama mm-hmm. because, yeah. and we, we know this because absolutely nothing else from A Dance with Dragons was even adapted. Yeah. So. Just like, maybe we should clarify our position before we move forward because like people, Brian Cogman is, obviously confused about this. Not of people either are. Our objection is not the fact that they were depicted rape on the screen. Not at all. We understand that depiction is not endorsement. And mm-hmm. in fact, um, you know, we both will sing Jessica Jones's praises and its yeah. handling of the subject or like aren't just the new black season three. Absolutely. The- yeah. Yeah. So this is not like we, yeah. or George R. R. Martin and what he does. Well, he doesn't do nearly as well as Jessica Jones, but... No, you know, no, I'm not saying that. He's definitely coming from a much better place than Brian Cochran, I think. And, <laughs> um, just, like, I don't know, my own opinion is that, like, this the idea of not depicting sexual assault in fiction is asinine because it's just so such an important thing that happens to so many people that not discussing it in the context of fiction is just, like, you think ignoring it is going to make it better? that your plan right and this is truly the value of speculative fiction Mm -hmm. like what a song of ice and fire is is because we're able to sort of distance ourselves from our own cultural understanding of a topic so that we can really dig deep at these issues because Mm -hmm. we don't have like you know the cultural dialogue feeding into it so with jane Poole's rape in the books i think there's a really interesting dialogue that can be crafted around it especially because it's through theon's point of view when he's being raped too and it's it it's yeah and and like especially like in the context of theon's characters and his own kind of past attitude and treatment of women Mm -hmm. things like that well because he was a rapist yeah yeah um so we could do an entire podcast of george r R. martin's depiction what what our point is our objection is not that there is a rape our objection to this rape is that it was the definition of gratuitous and it's unearned in the sense that 
you know, it made no sense for Sansa to even be in this position. Yeah, we've written no extensively sense. on that topic, too. Yeah, like I said, listen to the other podcasts, we really cover it. Yeah. Um, and it was also gratuitous in that this was, it was really meant to horrify us. This is mm-hmm. why I was in there. It was meant to horrify us. They didn't really deal with the repercussions in a sensitive way, like absolutely nothing. It was just, they thought it would be shocking. Nothing else in Ramsey's storyline and Theon's storyline and Sansa's storyline made it to our screen. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. So Cogman is very, very confused. Yeah. Um, well, let's he, just dive. Yeah. So our plan is to read excerpts from the articles and comment on them. <laughs> no, he doesn't like things being taken out of context. Yeah. We so don't we like are, taking things out of context. So we haven't been. We yeah. really haven't been. No. But like, it's, it's something that is good to actively avoid doing. <laughs> so we can agree there, I guess, with Brian Cockman. So we're going to link the full EW article that wrote about this, mm-hmm. that covered his commentary track, but we also are going to be reading his full words as yeah. they appear. So happy, Brian. Mr. Cockman. <laughs> Fucking toad. All right. <laughs> so I'll start. I think it's important to talk about, I think it's important to talk about meaning the Sansa rape plotline. Because of this response the storyline got, Cogman says, it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't talk about it, people think you're ashamed of it. If you do talk about it, everything you say is taken out of context. Uh, what can you even say about this? I mean, like, <laughs> okay, fine. If you don't talk about it, people think you're ashamed of it. Well, yeah, that's true. That's what they did. Like, you know, they didn't show up at Comic-Con magically. They didn't comment on this for months. And yeah, that's what we thought, that they were ashamed of it, or they knew that they that did something wrong. They didn't want to own up it to it. It kind of felt like they had their tail between their legs. And I'm yeah. sorry, it's not made better by the fact that D&D were just on a podcast where they said, this is happened a year ago, get over it. <laughs> Was that specifically about this answer thing? No, it's about any criticism. Uh, because they're stunning and brave. <laughs> yeah, if you do talk about it, everything you say is taken out of context. Is it? Is it, Brian? Is it? Like, I'm sorry, your hardened woman quote that we always keep quoting is was literally in the context of you being asked, how could you do this to Sansa? And yeah. you said, how dare you? She's hard. She chose to be in that situation. We'll get yeah, to that that's, quote that's later, That's exactly what you said. So, you know, my, my only thing is, I think it's important to have this dialogue. And mm-hmm. I think it's more damned if you don't, because it shows an unwillingness to participation. So, so I do yeah. appreciate, I actually, for what it is, I do appreciate that he is willing to talk in a way D&D aren't. I do. Yeah, but at the same time, like, all the interviews that they have, like, basically, every, everyone, anyone officially associated with the production, everything they've said about this just kind of betrays entirely the fact that they do not understand the criticism that people have of this. I'm sure there are people who, like, very vocally object to any depiction of rape in media, but that is not the vast majority of people who have been objecting to this. Yeah, and even when the Mary Sue was like, we're not going to cover it anymore, they talked about the pattern. It wasn't mm-hmm. about this one isolated thing. They are just like, no. this is ridiculous. But okay, so moving on into the next quote. This is still Cogman talking. Basically, when we decided to combine Sansa's storyline, keep that word in mind, mm-hmm. with another character in the books, it was done with the idea that it would be hugely dramatically satisfying to have Sansa back in her occupied childhood home and navigate this gothic horror story she's found herself in. And, of course, to be reu- reunited with Theon, setting her, setting her on the path to reclaiming her family home and becoming a major player in the big overall story. That's how, like, this is like the third year in a row they've been saying Sansa will be a major player. Sansa will be a major player. Kind of weird. I know. Should we talk about what gothic horror is? There's so much in this one paragraph. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit speechless at the moment. Let's talk about gothic horror. Yeah. Well, the thing I think of, uh, when I think of gothic horror is how Jane Austen commented on it in Northanger Abbey. I think that's really like how most people understand gothic horror is Jane Austen's commentary on it, which is kind of weird. But like, <laughs> yeah, gothic horror is kind of like, um, like the kind of archetypal gothic horror story is, you know, a vulnerable young virgin in a situation where she's under the power of a man. And it's usually like in a setting. It's usually like, you know, abroad in scare quotes, like Italy or something like that. Is this um, Jane Eyre? Uh, Jane Eyre is gothic horror-ish. Yeah. And, and, and like, yeah. you know, the, the mad wife in the attic thing. That's, that's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's another kind of trope that Jane Austen kind of satirized too with like, you know, the, the evil man who's imprisoning his wife in the castle. <laughs> like she'd very commonly directed, directed on it. And like her love interest is like, 
what the fuck were you thinking? Thinking that my father and my mother locked up somewhere in this house? Are you crazy? <laughs> so, like, like uh, yeah, uh, Gothic horror was hugely instrumental, uh, inst- uh, influential, especially kind of like, you know, among young women in the early 19th century. But, like, it went on for a very long time. Frankenstein also has a lot of uh, mm-hmm. aspects of Gothic horror to it. So, I suppose, like, the aspects are there kind of in Sansa's show storyline in this fifth season, I guess, because, like, you know, she's in this scary place, she's under the powers of a man, she's a vulnerable young woman, but, I don't know. I think it's just a convenient way of putting it. Yeah, I guess. Honestly, it just, it wasn't, like, providing commentary on anything. No. Also, okay, uh, I'm sorry, my brain is seriously short-circuiting with this. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start, so it's just like, let's focus on gothic horror. Well, no, let's focus on gothic horror, because here's my <sighs> question. Why is it dramatically satisfying to have her in a gothic horror? Why? Why? Why is that dramatic? Who, who is that dramatically satisfying to? The audience, I suppose. The people who think she's a bitch getting what she deserved? No, seriously, like... Well, gothic horror is a lot about, like, the sexual frustration of virgins. So... <sighs> Okay. I don't Do you know, think that was explored? That... Is that what Miranda no, was supposed it... to be doing? Was contrasting sexual frustration? Like, what? It would be hugely <sighs> dramatically satisfying. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm very, I'm trying very hard not to just jump to, this is basically him saying her getting raped is dramatically satisfying. Like, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt for some odd reason. Well, here, let's think about what else Sansa did in this gothic horror. She sat and rolled her eyes through a dinner mm-hmm. conversation. She was, like, kind of made fun of by the kennel master's daughter a little bit, and then put her in her place, that bitch. Uh, then she sat in a room covered in bruises and screamed at another abuse victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, then she decided to light a tiny-ass candle that someone told her about for rescue. But first she unlocked her door. With an auger, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she made the decision to go there in the first place. She Even though, her. like, like when you think about it, um, the rat moat Kaylin, she says to Littlefinger, no, I don't want to go, or they're going to turn around. Yeah, I don't know. Did she yeah. really ever have a choice? I mean, she had her Tier 8 warlock costume on, so... That means she, she must have empowered. had a choice. To me, the true gothic horror was her in that outfit. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, okay, let's let's touch on this whole thing where they were combining Sansa's storyline with another character. They didn't combine it. They displaced her from her own storyline. And put her in Jane Poole's. We got absolutely no elements of Sansa's storyline. And we know that because Martin released a sam- sample chapter of where her storyline's headed. Conveniently, right? <laughs> his, his publisher urged him to. Like, I think, I think we know that for a fact. Um... And it's her, uh, I don't really want to do Winds of Winter spoilers, but it's yeah. definitely not this. It's not this in the slightest. No, it's like, I mean, I suppose, like, uh, if you want to be very, very generous, this is, this is Sansa having made the decision to stay in a problematic situation because she feels that she doesn't have any other option. Mm-hmm. If you're very, very generous, you can say that Sansa decided to go to Winterfell because of the same reason. Except that Littlefinger literally told her, if you don't want to do this, I won't make you. Did he? Yeah. Well then. I don't know. But but then he says stop running, avenge them. So the idea is that she chose this for revenge. Mm, that just makes some little sense. I Julia, deal with it. It's a gothic horror story because there's a Sith Lord at the wedding. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay, so the idea that they combined her storyline, no, they didn't. They yeah. displaced well, her. The other thing is like Jane Poole, like. She's very important in Dance with Dragons. She's very important to Theon's mm-hmm. arc, which some people think is a bad thing because, you know, she's she's obviously there to service Theon's arc, but, like, Theon is a POV character and she's a minor character. It's kind of how fiction works. Um, but, like, Sansa is a POV character, a major POV character. I'd say more than Theon. Yeah, yeah more than, yeah. I think, like, in the hierarchy of POV characters, she's, yeah, more important than Theon. Yeah. Yeah. And... She didn't get her story. We decided to combine. You don't understand. It would have made just as much sense if Theon and Ramsay were like workers at the at the Eyrie. Like it would have been the same. Yeah. Logic. It would have been the same thing if Ramsay took Marillion's place from the books. It would have like, made a much as much sense. Yeah. I if think. not more. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work, but like I have no idea how you know turning sense of Jane Poole would have worked. So why not? Um, okay. Okay. 
we're getting really stuck in the weeds already. Um, another part of this quote is that it's dramatically satisfying to have her reunited with Theon because that sets her on the path to reclaim her family home and become a major player. First of all, was her walking down the stairs at the end of season four with that fugly fucking outfit not supposed to be signaling to us that she was ready to become a major player? Well, it was certainly meant to make the audience think that this meant she was going to be a major player. But now, but now, according to this, she needs to be in her gothic horror story. I'm not, I'm not going to let that phrase go. She needs to be in her gothic horror story <laughs> to become a major player. It's, th- this is what sets her on the path now. This is it. Yeah, well, it, it is kind of like almost backtracky. Like they're just like, oh, she's a major player now. Oh, no, she's not. No, it was, it was definitely backtracking her mm-hmm. because it was, it was like they put her back in her like matronly victim clothes too. Yeah, like she literally started putting on her mother's clothes. But no, they're saying, what, what did they think her King's Landing plotline was all about? Like, how is she not already on her path? How is she already not a major player? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how is she already not on the path to reclaim her family home? Did, what, what, did she need this motivation? She needed Theon for this? That's the implication of what she's saying, to be reunited with Theon, setting her on the path, reclaiming her family home, and becoming a major player. Yeah. And Theon is on his own path that has not all that much to do with the Starks, too, you know? Like... Yeah. It's like his own path to be just, like, a better person, because he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <sighs> you want to move on? Yeah, I do want to move on. All right, the next... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. We're just, like, really angry. That said, when we decided we were going to do that, we were faced with the question, if she's marrying Ramsay... <laughs> I'm sorry. If she's marrying Ramsay... What would happen on her wedding night? And when we made the decision to not shy away from what would realistically would happen on that wedding night with these two characters and the reality of the situation and the reality of this particular world. Okay, so what is this logic? Like, this reminds me of the logical fallacy. This 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 logic is that if Ramsay has a bride, he's going to rape her. This is begging the question. That's the logical fallacy. Because you're presupposing that she has to marry Ramsay. And that is the issue we have. Right. Well, because th- there's actually, um, there's this a wonderful poster over on uh, westeros.org, um, Good Guy Garland, and mm-hmm. he, because people <laughs> we were saying We agree with this, about 50% of the time, yeah. <laughs> but people were saying this, um, same excuse, like, well, of course Ramsey would rape her, and he's like, if, you know, they fucking script it so that Sam falls off a boat into the ocean and gets eaten by sharks, then you guys would be saying, well, sharks eat people, that's their nature. Yeah. It's like, why That's was she in the ocean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you have Sam fall into the- You don't get a free pass for that. Yeah, Ramsay would rape anyone he possibly could. But, like... <laughs> she didn't have to be in this situation. <laughs> She's supposed to be, like, 2,000 leagues away babysitting an eight-year-old. Also, he said, okay, they made the decision to merge the storylines. But then it's apparently a forgotten conclusion that her part in that means she's marrying Ramsay. There's really no other way you could have combined these storylines. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Because, like, you had to jump through hoops to make that happen. She's already married, first of all. So, yeah, so you had to just dismiss that. Yeah. You had to have her forget that marrying an enemy family doesn't actually improve anything for you. And you had to have Littlefinger acting like an entirely, like, brain deficient person. I don't person. know much like, about Like, he had some kind of severe brain injury, apparently. Like, he was so shocked by the sight of Sansa in her, war- uh, her warlock outfit that, like, it caused brain damage. And now he's stupid. Like... <laughs> The only way this remotely makes sense, and I'm sorry, this still doesn't make sense for Sansa, is if Littlefinger truly, truly, truly doesn't give a shit about her. And if that's what they're going for, they painted it in a very strange way. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm willing to give him this. Like, if, like, you can convince me somehow that this is a situation where, like, it was inevitable, it was unavoidable, she had to marry Ramsay, then yeah, of course this would happen. But I'm not willing to give you that. No. Because here's the thing, even if they think it's unavoidable that she had to agree to this marriage, which, again, does not no, make I'm, any No, I'm sense not willing her. to give them that, but just presupposing no, it that. Doesn't, it doesn't, that does not make sense. The whole thing with Sansa is that she's a very intuitive person, and we see this in the show when she fucking lies to the Vale Lords and then dons her stupid outfit. Like, that's mm-hmm. what that whole thing was about. It was showing Did that Coven she- write that episode? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> well, then he has even less excuse for this. Hold on. I'll look it up. Fine. It's the mountain- uh, isn't Sorry. it mocking? No, mocking jay is when the no, it was, it was the mountain of the viper. Not mocking jay, mocking bird. Sorry, 
Mocking you, you and your stupid Hunger Games rewatch. <laughs> uh, no, D&D wrote that one. Okay. No, so D&D wrote that episode, but, like, it, it hardly matters. The whole point, he's on the creative team. Yeah, and, and like, you know, uh, they have, like, George R. R. Martin episodes that have, like, D&D scenes in them, so who, who knows what the hell it means. Also, like, I'm sorry, but if you're a writer on the show and it's like, well, I didn't write that episode, so I didn't know what happened, what? No. <laughs> no. You have, to, you have to work with the characters you've been writing this whole time. Yeah. You can't just ignore it. Uh, but the whole thing is, Sansa figured out pretty quickly into this before she was married to Ramsay, he's not a good dude. Like, she saw that on display at that that funny family dinner. Wouldn't she have been like, you know what? No, I'm calling this off. Get me the fuck out of here. She had a nice How about when when Miranda was, like, explicitly telling her exactly what kind of person he is and what kind of things he's done to other women? She's a hardened woman making a choice. Well, you know, she's a little classic. She got what she deserved. Honestly, know. this is this is a complete logical fallacy. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. If you throw someone into a room with Ramsey in this situation, he'd rape them. Yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be sensitive. Yeah, he's more than willing to, like, you know, basically rape anyone. Like, he's raped old women. He's, you know, raped young women. He's so he's not he's not choosy. So why not? Yeah, and you do not get points to playing to the reality of this particular world when yeah, you really defied don't. all internal logic to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Like we're not even going to talk about armpit hair. Like that's that's completely other discussion. We're talking about like you know, Bruce Bolton just, is suddenly like yeah. he needed certain assurances from Tywin Lannister to do the red wedding, and all of a sudden he's willing to ally with fucking Littlefinger. With ravens and- flying around with these treasonous messages because, mm-hmm. oh, the Lannisters are far away? What? Yeah, they're so far away and nobody can cross Mo Kalin or go around it, so, you know, we're safe. Alright, next, <laughs> next quote. <clears throat> yes, it would have been hugely satisfying for Sansa to have a shiv up her sleeve and gut Ramsay, but that's not Sansa. We can't all be Arya, in parentheses Maisie Williams, and, in fact, most people aren't Arya. Most people in that situation, they have to play a longer game. Are you seething? I just have no idea how to respond. So what's her plan for revenge, then? It's a longer game? Make him yours. (sighs) Marriage. Revenge. That makes no sense. Marrying him legitimizes him. Revenge, revenge, revenge. It makes no sense. No, you see, Julia... In this society, power comes through marriage contracts, and that's how you implement control. Benioff had a quote like that. That's who I'm imitating. <laughs> but, like, like, do they not understand how marriage works? That, like, her, she is, like, officially, at this point, the heir to Winterfell. Like, she's, she's like, according to oh. law, she rules Winterfell. Like, supposedly all her brothers are dead, and she's the eldest daughter. So, so she has a claim to Winterfell. Yeah, well, she is, like, legally, like, legally speaking, she's the Lady of Winterfell. And mm-hmm. by marrying Ramsay, he becomes the Lord of Winterfell. That's how it works, at least outside of Dorne. Right, she just legitimized the Bolton's claim. She just legitimized the like, the one thing that... And as soon as she produced the heir, she, Yeah. Like, Miranda even says this, as soon as you produce a baby, we're gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. Which this is stupid no- because of mortality, but whatever. Well, and anyone would know this. Anyone yeah. would know, oh, hey, I don't marry my enemies for revenge. Especially not when marrying them is the one thing, like, like that is the one thing the Boltons wanted. Like, in Dance with Dragons, they, like, faked start to make this happen. There's, so, this, ama- there's this amazing poster, I think it was Kissed by Fire, who just, or no, it might have been Old Giblet, I don't remember. It was one of the ranters and ravers who just completely lost their mind and started, <laughs> like, I think it got deleted. There was this whole thing. They called the Sansa marriage, they called it the Sansa marriage strike. Yeah. And they're like, don't you know the Sansa marriage strike is responsible for all mass destruction? <laughs> and then, like, did this amazing post comparing it to, like, the production of nuclear weapons. <laughs> My favorite was when it was like, there was the infamous Sansa marriage commercial where it showed a child picking daisies in a field, and then in the background Sansa was saying her wedding vows. <laughs> and then all the daisies died. <laughs> hey, do you like, want to talk about uh, her, how she's stand by comparison now? I'm sorry, I'm still getting over Mary for revenge. Well, there's nothing to say about it. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, let's talk about how she's damned by comparison because she's not Arya and we can't all be Arya. Arya can, like, kill people. Yeah, she's cool. she, she can kill men. Arya doesn't have to play the long game. No. because Also, what is the long game? Apparently legitimizing your rapist and providing him with heirs. That is a great game. 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe she she like wants to gain so much influence that she really that she like you know screws up the Bolton rule of mirth so much that like the small folk who don't seem to exist at all rise up. Okay. She was sitting idly at a table. That's like the one thing mm-hmm. we see her do before. She didn't do fucking anything. No. And then she gets like locked in a room. She didn't over. even sew. Because she gave up sewing because she's empowered. Yeah. Um, so show Arya is kind of the definition of the trope, uh, not like other girls. Just like Steve. that. <laughs> let's not go there. Um, in that Arya gets like, um, praised for not being like other girls. She mm-hmm. thinks other girls are stupid. She says all other girls are stupid. She calls people cons. Basically, she's a misogynist. Yeah. Sh- show Arya. Yes. Not book course. Arya. Not, not by a long shot book Arya. No. And, and she is praised for this. Like, repeatedly. And the narrative praises her for this. And now yeah. Brian Cogman is praising her for this. Yeah. Of course it would have been satisfying to have Sansa with a shiv up her sleeve. Well, didn't she have that mini needle? Yeah, like... No, no, this is a question that needs to be answered. Why didn't she kill him? Ramsay? Yeah. How would she have killed him? I don't know, with her auger? She could have smothered him with a pillow in his sleep? Like, he was asleep next to her, presumably. This whole time. <laughs> I don't... I don't know. Well, she's not Arya. She couldn't have done it because she's damned by comparison. She's mm. too feminine to kill such a badass like Ramsay. Mm. That's un- that. That's what this quote is basically saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. Like, moving on. She goes. Next quote. Sorry. She goes into the marriage without the right information about Ramsay, and she gets the sense that he's dangerous, and when he turns out to be even worse than she thought, she's not broken by the attack. She immediately sets to getting the hell out of there and planning her next move. Does she? He says so, so it must be true. She's not broken. She's strong. Because, I'm gonna link- I'm gonna link the, um, article on Angry GOT site, uh- with the person who identifies with Jane Poole. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about how, like, sometimes people are broken by the attackers, and just because it's not cinematic doesn't mean it's not a story yeah, worth telling. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it's because they're weak. Like, this actually upsets me a lot, that mm-hmm. there's, you know, if you do have rape in TV shows, you know, the person has to be made stronger by it, right? Yeah. Th- this is why I like Orange is the New Black Season 3 so much, because of how it was handled with, with uh, Pencil Talkie and yeah. her reaction. It was just so, yeah, I don't know. This this just really piss that this this entire quote really pisses me off right now. She's yeah. not broken by the attack. Don't worry, we wouldn't have her broken by the attack. That would be so stupid. Yeah, because it just wouldn't be cinematic. Yeah, like so we I, I, like I don't know how they, how to react to that. Just this like just the, the implication that like she's she's somehow like a better person because she wasn't broken by the fact that she was raped. You know, like. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to fuck somebody up. And I'm not saying everyone should be broken by their rape, no. too. It's just, it, this doesn't even create space for it. Like, everyone just keeps telling us, well, don't worry, she's strong. She's going to be stronger from this. Don't worry. Like, this doesn't make it better. No. This this isn't handling it with sensitivity. What We didn't want to see her walk around on a rampage afterwards. We wanted to see this dealt with in a sensitive manner. And I'm sorry, what... Oh, she immediately starts planning her next move to get the hell out of there? How? By sitting in a room and then screaming at Dion when he comes in? Well, he asks him to save her, basically. He's like, you need to light this candle for me, because I've been locked in this room. That's empowering, mm. I guess. She immediately sets to getting the hell out of there. She was, like... She she learned how to lockpick, I guess. I don't know. I can't even... I don't... The, like... These are just words. These don't mean anything. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I know, because just, like... Like he says, like you're saying, like he says that she didn't have the right information, but that's not what we're shown. That's not the evidence we have. Like he's like, oh, she got the sense that he was dangerous, but like she didn't think it would be. No, she was told it would be this bad. She was told it would be this bad by Miranda. And even before that, why would she jump in bed with him after his behavior at at that dinner? Yeah. And and she had like opportunity to escape before. Like she was, she was given the bat signal. She was given the bat signal way early on. Yeah. That was, like, even before her conversation with Miranda, like, even before she found out that Theon was there. She just didn't think it would be this bad, so she thought marrying him for revenge would still, you know, work. What? Was she getting the impression that Make Him Yours plan was going well? I don't see how she could have gotten that impression. 
So, um, here's a particularly fun thing. Uh, Maisie Williams was on the commentary track, too. Yay! And apparently supportive. Good for you, she says. It's important to have your say openly and honestly, and not just through headlines and Twitter and things like that. There's so much more to the whole sequence than people are allowing. I don't like that. I don't really want to rip into this too much, because I don't like that they're even using Maisie Williams in this context. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm, I'm willing to maybe admit that they were trying to do something and they failed miserably. But again, that's not the evidence we see based on their words. Yeah. Like maybe it's, maybe they were trying to do something with that sequence that just didn't happen. But no. it's just really I just wish that they didn't like Maisie Williams is one of her friends too. It's just mm-hmm. like I really, really wish they hadn't used her like this and it doesn't like magically make everything oh, she she likes it. Yeah, a woman so. likes it, therefore it's okay. It it just doesn't make it better at all. I have that one magical friend who's perfectly okay with the name of the Washington football team. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. And, like, good for you. Mm-hmm. It's important to have your say open and honest. She's not wrong. Like like I said, I think it is. I, I'd rather someone talk about it than not talk about it. Mm-hmm. What is there more to the sequence than people are allowing? I don't think they have an understanding of what people are allowing. He, I seems, don't... he seems to think that, like, if he says his point of view, then, like, that should be it and it shouldn't be criticized anymore. But, no, your point of view is stupid and problematic. Sorry. Yeah. And even, like, there's intent and result, and sometimes they don't match up, and that's still a problem. Yeah. You didn't mean to rape, you know, Cersei in, you meant for the sex to become consensual, whatever the fuck that means. Um, except I'm laughing you as a defensive mechanism, just so you all know. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we have to, we have to move on to the next Cogman quote. <sighs> mm-hmm. At one point, Cogman seemed to get a bit choked oh, up. Oh, poor guy. It was a very difficult scene for me to write, he says. I've known Sophie since she was a kid. I think it was the attack on our motives behind it that upset me. Because I love these characters. I spent the better part of the last decade with these characters. And I love these actors. I'm emotional talking about it. I love Sophie. I love Alfie. I love Maisie. What? And it's very personal to me. And not an easy thing to put a character that I love through a scene like this. Just, I just don't know what to say to this. Like... <laughs> okay, so, so make let's, no sound. Let, let's let's get to like you know the thing we comment on. I think it was the attack on our motives behind it that upset me. But you've told us what our, your motives were. He has. Um, actually, I'm going to read. I'm sorry, Cogman. I'm reading another quote. It's so out of context. <laughs> um, you have this storyline with Ramsey. Do you have one of your leading ladies, who is an incredibly talented actor and who we followed for five years and viewers love and adore, do it? Or do you bring in a new character to do it? To me, the question answers itself. You use the character the audience is invested in. Yeah. So their motive was that they thought that this would be cinematic. They thought that it would engage the audience. Yeah, they did. And also... Um, just to let you know, here's the David Benioff quote about this. We really wanted Sansa to play a major part this season. If we were going to stay absolutely faithful to the book, it was going to be hard to do that. Why? Uh, there was a subplot we loved from the books, but it used a character that's not on the show. So just, this is further clarification. And, and this is what Brian Cogman said too, with his, you have the storyline with mm-hmm. Ramsey. They wanted to adapt the Theana dance with dragons plotline, apparently. No, they wanted to adapt the story with Ramsay in A Dance with Dragons. Well, yes. And they, did, they, they said that specifically. We, there was a subplot with Ramsay. And they magically didn't adapt it, too. <laughs> like, well, like, all. Ramsay's there, and he's a complete jerk. But, you know, like... Everything else is different? Yeah. Like, there's no Northern Lords. How is that even possible? I mean, they, they like... They kind of, like... You know, the character of Ramsay is there, but they add, like, a lot more to it that, like, basically turned him into the protagonist of the plotline, as we discussed in a retrospective. And, like, no, what were they thinking? No, no, like, they told us what they were thinking. They're, they were thinking, we're already invested in Sansa, mm-hmm. so it question answers itself. You use the character the audience is invested but in. But because- it's, it's because they wanted to tell Ramsay's story. Right, they wanted to tell Ramsay's story and they wanted to use a character for the role of Jane, meaning they knew they were going to rape her. Mm-hmm. They knew this. Or, I'm sorry, they were going to have her marry Ramsay and then rape was the only natural consequence. Wow, sorry. Such a different motive. Um, so, the, the, he says the question Jane Cole is, doesn't marry Ramsay for revenge. <laughs> no, she's kind of forced into it. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, she is, like, she absolutely cannot get out of this. 
And, and the thing is, these are your motives. Mm-hmm. You just told us what your motives are. Your motives were to invest the audience as much as possible. Your motives were to use a character we care about in this gothic horror story mm-hmm. because you thought that would be more interesting for us. Your motives were literally to shock us with Is that a what leap, happens. Phil? What you just said, is that a leap? Like, I'm trying to be super duper duper fair. Okay, maybe they weren't trying to shock us because actually everyone kind of saw this coming. <laughs> well, yeah. They were trying to engage us and they were trying to make it dramatically satisfying as a gothic horror by okay. using a character we care about. They were trying to get us to give a shit. Mm-hmm. Right? So their motives their motives for using Sansa were audience involvement. And we know that because he said it. Yeah. So is it a leap to say they thought it would be shocking? I mean... It's certainly, it was an attempt to horrify us, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a leap. That's what gothic horror is. Yeah, but is trying to horrify the audience the same as trying to shock the audience? And is it as bad? I think it's splitting hairs. Okay. I really do. And, okay, let's pretend they weren't trying to shock us. Does it make it better that they're trying to horrify us? Does that make it better? Is that a, is that a noble motive? Yeah, well, if you're talking about, like, you know, the genre, like the gothic horror genre... That the motive is to horrify. And that's okay. like... Yeah, I, I, I realize we're splitting hairs. I just... I don't, I'm trying to see it from his point of view, I suppose. We are horrified and we're yelling at them about it. And then he gets mad that we're yelling well, at not, them. Well, not they're not horrified. <laughs> Quite the same way, I don't think. But just... I don't... When you take their whole pattern into account... Like, they, they've had a pattern very clearly for five years now where they focus on the shocking moments. And that's kind of the reputation they've built in larger culture. Like, this is the show that shocks you. Mm-hmm. So, within that context, I'm not sure. Yeah, like, you're probably right that it's not that much of a leap, but I don't know. I'm sorry, are we trying to pretend their motives were to create a gothic horror story? Like, a true gothic horror story. The, we're pretending these are the real motives now? That's what they say. Because their motives were actually to get Ramsey's storyline onto the screen. And we know that because they told us. Well, really, their motives were to keep the audience interested. Which isn't uh-huh. necessarily a bad motive. Okay. Do you think this was a successful gothic horror story? I would say no. Okay. But it's the attack on our motives. It seems pretty damn clear that you were using Sansa at, like, to emotionally manipulate the audience into giving a shit. Yeah, but... All fiction is emotional manipulation. <laughs> okay, but they thought we couldn't give a shit about anyone else in this role, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's a motive I'm not okay with. <laughs> okay, I agree. I don't know. I really feel like we're trying to be too generous. Well, like, you know, poor Brian Cogman, he's such a victim. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> it was the attack on our motives that really upset me because I love these characters. Well, gee, if you love these characters, maybe you could have, I don't know, given them a consistent personality? That would be something I would do if I liked a character. Or have them behave in a logical manner. Because, yeah. as we said, this was not logical. You can't, you can't, cl- no, I'm sorry, you cannot claim you love Sansa's character and then have her agree to marry for revenge. You can't. You cannot. Sansa's not like that, no. Okay, we're moving on to the next one. Okay. I just, I'm so angry. Another argument, and I get why this criticism was leveled at us. <laughs> it's, so magnanimous, sorry. Kylie. It's Cogman, he's so my Is <laughs> the idea that we took Sansa's story away from her and made it all about Theon by cutting to his face at the end. He says, I personally don't believe that's the case. Certainly Theon's redemption journey is an element of the subplot. But if you really watch the scene, it's played from Sansa's viewpoint for the most part. The main reason we cut it away at the end, frankly, is that it was Sophie's first scene of this nature and we didn't want to show the attack. Remember that because she had words about this. And so we cut to Theon to hear the attack. I understand why many people reacted to that, thinking we were making the scene about Theon and not Sansa. I'm sorry it was viewed this way. All I can say is it's certainly not my intention when I wrote it or when we were producing it. Okay, so uh, again, they're just talking about the scene. The scene okay. isn't nearly as much a problem as the entire plot line. There's actually a lot here. First of all, yeah. Sophie Turner said, I don't know why the director cut, it away, cut away. I was doing a great job acting. Yeah. So she actually wanted the focus to be on her. So that's just bullshit excuse that mm-hmm. like, oh, it's her first scene. We were being so sensitive. Uh, and I'm sorry, if you wanted to be sensitive to the audience, then you wouldn't have emotionally manipulated us. Like this was blatant, 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 like just trying to pull a 180 by having her go, I'm Sansa Stark of Winterfell mm-hmm. to make us think she was in control and then do this. Like that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 
I, I think like a very skilled writer could pull something like that off. Like like when it, like the way that Rob was making this very interesting plan to attack about Kaylin right before the red wedding. You know, <laughs> like like something like that. Like that worked a lot better than this did. <laughs> yeah, and that, even that was dumb, but that worked. I'd say. Yeah, but like 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 yeah, it, it kind of added to the tragedy that like maybe Rob was finally getting his shit together, and then this happened. Right. Yeah, but I, but I'm saying like. Shit, why did I even bring that up? Bring what up? The Sansa's faux empowerment moment. Because it's a 180, and it's blatant manipulation. Yeah, it is. Um, But let's talk about this, like, viewpoint thing. Okay. It wasn't our intent to make it Theon's point of view. Okay, so there's this thing that, like, when you're creating media, and you're especially creating it about maybe characters that have more difference than you do, you know, like, if you're a man and you're writing for a woman, I'm not saying men can't write women, by the way. Mm. I'm just saying sometimes you have to think about implications. There might be that- this, like, author that you're quite a bit of a fan of who writes a lot of women. I don't know. Anyway, uh, continue. Shocking. <laughs> um, but, like, sometimes there are these things that you don't intend and you don't think about it because your own experience mm-hmm. and your own background kind of eclipses something from your understanding. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's fine. But, you know, you kind of have to check yourself and you kind of have to think through implications of what you're writing. So if you're that's writing why, rape- That's why it's so important to have, like, voices, like uh, art through adversity, just, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's not to say that, like, if a woman had directed the scene, she would have, you know, not cut to Theon. I'm not saying that necessarily. But I do think showing a willingness to bring in diversity of voices is important. Mm-hmm. And And here's the thing. As they were writing this scene, as the scene was, as they were in production of season five, they were receiving criticism about the Cersei Jamie Sept scene mm-hmm. and about the, to- the particular topic of rape. Yeah. So, and the way that they're like very particular, very minute decisions about like, you know, editing and, and like length of shot and things like that affected that. So if you have all the resources that Game of Thrones has and you're mm-hmm. producing this and you're producing this plot line that you know is going to be a gothic horror story, aka you wanted to horrify the audience. Yeah. And it's going to involve a character that we're all invested in. Wouldn't you think to bring someone in and be like, excuse me, could we just like talk through this scene? Mm-hmm. Like, any- like we do that for our fanfic, you know, yeah. like we, we talk to people who are just like, you know, who know things about that, about things that, and just like, you know, like, uh, I know I was writing, I was writing like a plot line that had like uh, a romance with a significant age difference. So I talked to someone who had written like a really long meta about this topic. And I was like, can you like, can we talk this out? Like, is this, yeah. It's really cute, but anytime she tries to write something gay, she's like, Kylie, can you please read this? <laughs> no, it's just, just like, like, you know, that's something I, I do, like, you know, in my spare time. Uh, and my recesses are like people on Tumblr. And I managed to give it more thought than these people who have like a budget of millions and are professional fiction writers. I don't know. Yeah, so like, that's, at least he's apologizing. I'm sorry, it, but he's saying, I'm sorry it was viewed that way. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm sorry we didn't think through the. It's a passive aggressive Canadian it's apology. Just- <laughs> I'm sorry you took offense. Yeah, to I'm this. sorry you were offended. Yes. Um, another thing is that I just like I get the why this criticism was leveled. This this idea that we took Sansa's story away from her and made it all about the end. You literally took Sansa's story away from her. But like, yeah, but like, no, but like, he's um, I keep forgetting my informal logical fallacies. He's he's moving the goalposts right now because we're not talking. But like, we're not talking about like. Okay, people have criticized this scene. They've criticized like the like length of shot and editing choices of this she- of this scene. But we're not ta- talking about just the scene. We're talking about the entire plotline. We're talking about the decision to put her in that situation in the first place, which was a decision that you made that nobody made you make. But like, they never acknowledge that criticism at all. They think no. it's so logical she was marrying Ramsay. Mm-hmm. Okay, well here we go. More of this. It was an upsetting scene. It's a horrifying scene. It's meant to be. But the accusation that our motives were that we just threw in a rape for shock value, I personally don't think the scene as shot or written or as acted by the wonderful actors supports this argument. Question mark. Nor do I think the aftermath of the scene supports that argument. Not only in these episodes, but also in future episodes. The story is not over. This is a long, ongoing story. Sansa has a journey ahead of her, and what happens to her is a huge and what happened to her in that room is a huge part of that journey. And one that we've thought through. Well, it will be the, thought it through. It will be the first time. I don't know. It's <laughs> possible. Um, is it? It's possible. No, Julia, it's not. Because I'll tell you why not. Um, there's this episode called Hard Home. And in that episode, Sansa tells Theon that she wishes she could have tortured him herself. 
And for anyone who doesn't know, this is kind of a personality 180 for Sansa, even on the show. Yeah. And unless a victim of abuse also sustained significant head trauma, this is a very not common reaction. <laughs> it's to to claim that they were handling this, to claim that they were, you know, writing this really good, sensitive narrative. Okay, it was meant to horrify us, and good, we get the whole depiction versus endorsement thing, we get it. But to to claim that they're actually handling its aftermath in a in a remotely like in a way with any integrity, mm-hmm. I think is just so disingenuous because I don't. She, she was handling. barely in the rest of the season. And then, like, the final episode, you know, she... Okay, first, I'm gonna pick this lock and survive and then light a candle in the tower. Oh, but no, wait, no, it's Miranda. No, just kill me now. That's empowered. Wait, no, no, I found the strength to keep on keeping on. It's almost like she was just doing whatever fit other people's plot needs. Like, we needed to see Brienne turn away from that candle, right? Mm -hmm. And we needed Theon to have a reason to save her from Miranda, and then they needed a reason to jump over the wall. Yeah. It's almost like there was no thought giving to her character. No, she she would like after the after uh about a bit and broken. She was there for Theon to give Theon a reason to throw Miranda off a bridge, which was so empowering of him. I I agree. Yeah, and I'm sorry. The focus on Theon's man pain during that scene fits in with this pattern. Yeah, if you want to pretend it was about some bullshit sensitivity, then fine. But. The narrative rather speaks for itself. I also love this quote because he's basically saying we're not allowed to criticize it because we haven't seen it all yet. I hate that criticism. Especially because it doesn't address the Sansa marriage strike in the first place. No, like they're they're not addressing the Sansa marriage strike in the first place. They're just like, oh, it made so much sense to combine these stories. That's like what they keep saying, but they won't justify that in any way. Because it didn't make sense. I'm sorry. It just did not make sense. Even if like, okay parsimony of scale, right? Like, mm. you can't do every single storyline. We want Sansa to be into the Northern Theater earlier. Her role as Ramsay's wife was not a foregone conclusion no. either. She could have gone into Winterfell under the guise of Elaine Baelish. Because she was not Elaine Stone. Because who wants parallels? <sighs> no, no one cares. Mm. <laughs> like, there would be so many other ways to combine these two storylines that would have made more sense. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to give us a gothic horror. So I guess this was the way to do it. Right? They seem to think so. I don't know. And just, just, they always talk about the actors and how wonderful the actors are, which is a bitch because it's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like they have an extremely talented cast and i think that if they didn't have the cast they did they would get away with so less shit than they do already yeah because like you know charles dance sold that stupid subplot (laughs) where he was just like pouring his soul out to a random cup bear he sold that yeah he did um but here's my question who cares if it was well acted how does that change anything yeah that's true (laughs) who cares yeah like i I agree that that scene was acted as well as it possibly could have been acted Prince Bashir really acted well when he offered Jamie soup. That doesn't make it. Like, and he did. <laughs> that doesn't make it logical. It doesn't make it any, like, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You can make, like, a thing that's shaped like a purse that's made out of, like, you know, pigskin. But you cannot make a silk purse. And that's what they did. They had made a little purse made out of pigskin. Lovely. Still made yeah. out of pigskin. Here's another Quagman quote that he said a while ago, and I think this is why he gets so upset and why he keeps trying to defend himself. Because, listen to this quote. Quagman seemed to take this question very seriously, and it took him a moment to consider the response, because someone asked him, how could you do this to Sansa? Mm -hmm. And he says, this is Game of Thrones, he said soberly. Well then. This isn't a timid little girl walking into a wedding night with Joffrey. This is a hardened woman making a choice, and she sees this as the way to get back her homeland. What? Sansa has a wedding night in the sense she never thought she would with one of the monsters of the show. It's pretty intense and awful, and the character will have to deal with it. He also called it a turning point for Sansa. I I feel so bad that, like, her first four seasons of plotline just, you know, who cares? She needed well, this as her turning point. That was just practice, I guess. <laughs> so he wanted to comment further, and he said, the choice I was referring to, this is an update, he, he tweeted this a while later, the choice I was referring to was Sansa's choice to marry Ramsay and walk into that room. 
Wait, this, is this in response to the hard woman making choice or this yeah, recent interview? Because he received criticism for hard woman making okay, choice. Okay, so this is about the hard woman, not the recent interview that we've been ranting about. Okay. No, the choice I was referring to was Sansa's choice to marry Ramsay and walk into that room. She felt marrying him was a vital step in reclaiming her homeland. Not trying to change anyone's opinion of the scene, negative or otherwise, but I think that it was, I was, okay, last word. In no, no way was that a comment and attempt to blame the victim. If it seemed that way, I'm deeply sorry. His clarification was more victim blaming than his original comment. Yeah, he doesn't seem to realize that. But like the thing is, like he says this, she feels marrying him is the vital step in reclaiming her homeland. Unless you've decided that Sansa's character now that is that she's a complete idiot. Like you have to justify that. And they haven't done that. No, they just say that as a Yeah, they keep fact. saying just, that. The choice I was referring to her was her walking he he just said the choice I was referring to her was her marrying Ramsay and walking into that room. That's those are his words. Yeah. That is and then you can choose to be in a place and still not choose to be raped, right? Uh-huh. I'm so- saying she chose to walk into that room on a wedding night. You know, that's the implication that you're going to have sex with this person. And I'm not saying that you can't be raped on your wedding night if you've consented to the marriage, because obviously that's what happened. But I don't understand how he doesn't see that this is a huge door for apology that he just opened up. The way he said, like, like, I don't know, like... Like, it's like, you can, you can, like, you know, you can choose to be, play, you can choose to be drunk in a bar in a short skirt and still not choose to be ra- being raped. I think that's what he's trying to say. Whether, whether he's actually saying that is another question. <sighs> yeah, but these are the quotes that he was, like, so upset about. And this is why mm-hmm. he gave the commentary track interview, I think. Yeah. Or, um, cause I think this is what he wanted to clarify because he's received a lot of criticism for what. Well, rightly. Yeah. For what is kind of victim blaming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is still victim blaming. <laughs> it is. It just is. I, I think you're right that he's, that's the point he's sort of trying to make, mm-hmm. but he's not presenting it in a way that there's not a space for apology. And if you are working on a show of this size with this reach and you're, you, I'm sorry, you can't just vomit things onto Twitter and not worry about the repercussions and then get mad when people quote them. You can't. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, so overall, like, I don't know. I'm really, I really liked Cogman. I really did. Um, you know, last year even, he went on to a Game of Thrones podcast. He went on to a cast of kings to talk about, cause he received a lot of criticism. Oh, actually, maybe it was two years ago. When did Yara go to the Dreadfort? That was season four. Yeah. So it was during season four. He went on and he was like trying to defend that because he received some criticism for it. And he's like, of course she's not scared of dogs. She just realized it was, it was a effort and futility Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which like didn't really make sense either. But he like, he's willing to engage with people and he seemed really open about it. And that's just so disappointing. It really is so disappointing to hear this bullshit coming out of him right now. Like, I don't like. I don't know, like, part of me is willing to give him the event of the doubt to just, like, he's trying to be sensitive and make sense. He's just failing miserably because he just doesn't seem to realize, I don't know, maybe his own privilege or something like that. He's definitely trying more than, more da- than David D- and Dan. Yeah. That's like, I'll give him true. that. Yeah. But, um, I don't, like, this, this whole, like, this monster that is Game of Thrones seems to have a lot of extremely talented creative people in its thrall. So, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want to psychoanalyze people I don't know. So, I don't even want to psychoanalyze people I do know. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. He wrote this episode, right? He did. What that means exactly yeah, he... is questionable, but okay. No, he he oh, he wrote Kill the Boy and he wrote Unbound and Men of Broken. So, he wrote the okay. episode before. Yeah. So, there's a very good chance that he wrote all the Winter Hell scenes for those two episodes. Because Kill the Boy was the one where they just, like, never left Winter Hell. Yeah, the one that you love. <laughs> the warm milk. And, uh, the thing is, I, like, that probably means he wrote the scene with Miranda telling Sansa how bad Ramsay is and her saying, I'm Sansa Stark of Winterfell and you can't scare me. That was an unbetter, but unbroken. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, yeah. like, I'm, I, I think it's a very good probability that he wrote both of those scenes. Not saying he, like, did it completely alone, but my question is, why did he write that scene before, before the rape? What was the point of that? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm still confused by it. If that scene was not there so that we would be shocked by what happened, I don't know what it was doing there at all. Maybe it was meant to characterize Miranda, who added so much. As what, being earnestly in love with Ramsay because he accidentally implied that she was, like, 
an abuse victim stuck in a relationship herself the episode before? Possibly. I don't know. Like, you see what I'm getting at? Because you're saying we're being unfair by saying they did this for shock value. I'm saying if something, you know, looks like a napkin and it feels like a napkin, it might just be a napkin. Why didn't you say duck? (laughs) What's the expression? Because I was quoting Rick Santorum. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I forget what he said about it. I think it was like one of his weird anti-gay marriage spiels. Anyway, don't worry about it. Oh, you know what Santorum officially is now. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Uh, Oh, 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 I'm sorry. He said marriage is like a napkin, not a paper towel. That's what he said. (laughs) That makes all the sense. That makes almost as much sense in the fifth season of Game of Thrones. Sorry. (laughs) No, because I think the thing that seems to undeniably be the case is that, well, at least from what they said, I don't know, maybe they're lying. They spilled, they spun it around the right. Thing is, the first decision that they made was that they wanted to adapt the storyline with Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And everything else built around that. And that was seen as more important than having Sansa, a POV character, have a storyline that she had in the books. And they've never addressed that. Yeah. No, again, like, the the only criticism they hear is the criticism about that scene. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to know what the word gratuitous means. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's moving the goalposts. Shifting the goalposts. Shifting yeah. the, it's a straw man. It's a straw man. Because they're fo- they're so focused on this one scene that they don't seem to get that the scene is just a part of the entire storyline. And it's the storyline itself we have a problem with. That scene just happens to be the worst part of the storyline. But, mm-hmm. like, no, it's the whole story. Like, she should never have been in that room. And there are things to criticize in that scene. But, like, why bother? <laughs> she shouldn't even been, have been in that room. The fact that she was in that room made no sense whatsoever from any point of view. Not even the bullshit logic that they try to, to, to tote out for why she was in that room. Even that makes no sense, according to but that they logic. Really, I don't think it even occurs to them that this is a criticism that exists. Because they're so clearly improving on the books or something? I don't think they realize their show makes no sense. <laughs> I think this would shock them to hear. <laughs> if, if we were like, hey, did you know that Cersei actually had no reason to arm <laughs> to arm the faith? Did you Did you know See, this is why you have, like, you know, a script supervisor. <laughs> you know? That's why you have, like, you know, staff writers. You have, like, you know, groups of people read over your stuff to tell you whether or not it makes sense. But when Mary, you're- for revenge! But when you're in some kind of, like, oddly incestuous, like, Skywalker Ranch-esque relationship, and <laughs> you're just, like, in this, like, giant intellectual bubble, you just, like, you know, they are Cersei. Mm-hmm. They are Cersei. They surround themselves with yes men and ignore everyone else and think that they're doing the best thing ever. And then when they get feedback to the contrary, they get mad. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, oh, you're only saying that because I'm a woman or whatever it is that they say. Right, they're the <laughs> persecuted ones. Yeah. It hurts Cogman. It hurts him that we're attacking this. He's so offended. He loves the characters so much. He loves them so much he couldn't even think of a logical fucking way to get Sansa into Winterfell, but whatever. Yeah, and, like, I could have, like, you know, we've come up with a few that would make more sense. I mean, I'm not saying that it would, like, end up being a better story or anything like that, but, like, I think, like, even, like, you know, the crazy ideas that people have just thrown out there would make a lot more sense than this. Why not make Sansa Alice Karstark and throw up into Jon's storyline? Why not do that? That would make a lot more sense. Just do it. Hey, actually, that would make a lot more sense. She'd be like, I realize Littlefinger's really shit. I'm going to escape this marriage. And yeah, then he, she gets married to a fan or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> They're cannibals. Yeah. And, and like, you know, Melisandre is all like, oh, your marriage doesn't count because it's not in the light of her lore. So it's fine. Like, yeah, that yeah. could have made more sense. I'm not saying yeah. it would have been good, but it would have made more sense. None of this would have been good. You know what would have been good is adapting the fucking books. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm sorry, if you love Ramsay's storyline so much, how do you fundamentally misunderstand a character so much? Yeah. I, I don't think they got the point where he's, like, supposed to be, like, a minor thug antagonist. He's a little stupid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his daddy issues are kind of sorted a little bit there in the books, but they're not a focus because he's not a focus. He's just some asshole. He's not nuanced in the books and people think it's so much... He's a more interesting antagonist, but, like, villain sues aren't interesting. No. They're, I'm sorry, they're not. 
Everything goes his way because evil is cool. Ooh. It's gothic horror. <laughs> I guess so. He's an Italian count who has you locked up in his castle. Like, okay, so the in, sep- in Cogman's def- in Cogman's defense, the one um, chapter at the Dreadfort where there's like literal fucking skeleton hands holding the candles. <laughs> You're like, okay, all right, Martin, we get it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's part of their, like, you know, like, lordly image, right? That they're evil and spooky. No, that they're, like, ruthless. That they're spooky. Because, um, uh, Roos is a vampire, clearly. Okay, that's for theory hour. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're just, we're, we're, we're getting past the part of the rage cycle where we just now think it's funny. Like, if you yeah. can't tell what's happening to us. Did you ever post the D&D cycle? I think no, that, that I might explain a lot about our podcast episodes. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll post it at some point. Yeah, because um, now when we say D and D, by the way, Brian Cogman's going to be kind of included yeah, in that model. Yeah, it's it's a metonym. Is that the right term? Yeah, metonymy. Metonymy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a metonym for the entire production when we say D and D, basically. So, like you know, when we say D and D made stupid lighting decisions, we know they weren't there on set making lighting decisions. Okay, but they did look at the final cut and say, "Yep, yeah, <laughs> so. this looks great. I can see all of it." <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, we're getting so giggly right now. I can tell. So that was our special on Brian Cogman, this interview thing. We love him. We do. Everything's great. We love this show. I can't wait for it to be back in two months. <sighs> I think I've lost my mind. I, I'm gonna like make a bunch of food beforehand and put it in the freezer so my family can eat. <sighs> my plan. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna have time to do anything once that show. Hey, Julia, remember when we said this would be a half an hour reaction? You <sighs> can edit it. That'll be fine. I'm not gonna edit it that heavily, honestly. I think I think these are good points. Okay. I do. We're and so super integrally self indulgent with our long podcasts, so It might be because there's a lot to analyze. Yeah. Like honestly, my hope in making this podcast is because like Julia and I were really angry with this interview and and seriously we were like yelling at each other and then we're like let's just hit a record button yeah because let's do something productive with this it the reason we even do this for as long as it does it can be a very isolating position Mm -hmm. to be in to be critical of the show or to be reading this and be really upset by it and we're not we're not trying to blame our, like, we're not trying to cast ourselves, like, as victims in this, obviously. But it's, no, 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 yeah. no. We're not, but it, it's just, I do think that there is a real benefit to, like, having this, this kind of dialogue and to having, to having our point of view validated, at least. Yeah, even Especially, if it's only by each other. <laughs> exactly. Like, I under, I understand how tiny it is, but, but like, mm-hmm. you know, even just a little thing, like, we're reading it in, you know, an EW article that's like heartfelt nude commentary and mm-hmm. you know he was keep, getting choked up they keep using the word bold <laughs> they really love the word yeah. bold that's Vanity Fair who really likes that word I think I can't I can't even with Vanity Fair <laughs> they really like the show but yeah. it's 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 a really fucking messed up show and a messed up culture surrounding it and it's a culture that's happened to invade nerdum Mm-hmm. It's invaded a Song of Ice and Fire fandom, which is my particular objection to it. Yeah. And like, yeah, sorry, Cogs, I'm gonna keep quoting you, and I'm gonna keep ripping into it because you're yeah, and we're gonna quote you at length so we don't take you out of context because and we your care. head is yeah, your head is kind of really far up your ass. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to be the one to point this out to you. Have a good weekend, Mister Cogman. Mm-hmm. I know I will. <laughs> so with that, uh, you know. We actually have the Aria retrospective hour recorded, and I just needed to edit it up, but I felt that this one was a little more important to get out right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you'll hear us talking about things from a while ago. I'm, I'm sorry, I've been a little drowning. And then after that, we're going to record, I think, a Song of Ice and Fire specific episode. We're, we're looking to do the theory hour. Uh, so yeah, send in mm-hmm. any theories, a Song of Ice and Fire theories you want to hear us talk about. Uh, we, we've been stockpiling them. We've got a few good suggestions, like... Uh, Tell us about Ashar Dane being married to Helen Reed. Yeah, tell us okay. about that, please. Yeah. We like talking about the books, and we really wish there was a visual adaptation to go along with it. That would be nice. Um, but until that, you know, thank you for listening, and, and definitely submit any comments that you might have, either to our, our Tumblr inboxes, uh, She's the Cultural Vacuum, I'm yep. Gypsy Gibson Musings, 
Or email us at unabashedbooksnumber at gmail.com. Yep. So, yep. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye.